Welcome to The Porty Podcast. I'm David and I've been finding out about a local storytelling group. Storytelling's an ancient art. Stories bind us together as people. They make us laugh. They make us cry. They remind us of who we are and where we came from. But it's an art that needs to be nourished, to be cherished, if it's going to thrive in the 21st century, where too many young people live their lives through social media rather than social contact. And that's where the Portobello Storytelling Group comes in. It's part of a much wider organisation, which aims to support people who want to learn this ancient craft, whether professionally or purely for pleasure. The current group leader is Anne Dignan. Some of the people that come here want to achieve a professional accreditation, which can be um, made available through the Scottish Storytelling Centre. And some people want to do it because they have a great love of stories. But it's fun. It's great fun. Stories are a great healer and a great bringer together of people, a gathering. And that's what it's all about. Stories are all about gatherings and long ago people, words weren't written down. So I myself am visually impaired. I don't have much central vision. So I like the idea of oral storytelling. I get people to read me stories from books or I put them under a monitor and I take the bare bones from the stories and the rest you make yourself because you put yourself into the story and you see yourself as the story develops. Time for a story. It comes from a collection called Fireside Tales of the Traveller Children by Duncan Williamson and it tells of two trees in a forest. There was an old forest master and he loved looking after his forest. The trees meant more to him than life itself. They were all his children. One morning he set off early as usual and he came past this ditch and it was blocked with leaves so he bent down to take the leaves out of the ditch so the water could pass through and he noticed two wee tiny saplings about the size of my hand and they were just at the side of the banking and he bent down and he said what are you doing there? I can't leave you there because you'll just be drowned so he took his knife out and he carefully cut round the roots and then he shook the extra sand and dirt off these wee saplings and he carried them over to the nearest clearing and the king of the trees was looking on the great oak tree who towered above all the other trees. The forest master carefully dug two holes about a metre apart so their little root systems wouldn't intertwine with each other when they grew. And he planted them and he watched them grow. And soon they noticed there were two very different saplings. One grew sturdy and out the way and its leaves were long, finger-like, and he was very stumpy. And this little tree did not like it that it could not grow as tall as his other friend. The other friend was silvery with bark that peeled and the sunlight would come down and just sparkle, making this tree look silver. And she was the lady of the forest. She was the birch tree. I'm going to leave that hanging there for a wee while. We'll come back to it at the end of the episode. Anne mentioned that stories are great healers. Fellow member Elaine Robertson has found this to be true she leads what you might describe as storytelling therapy groups, which have become even more important thanks to our time in COVID-enforced isolation. And she says that it's vital for parents to start telling stories to their children as early as possible. 
parents reading to children and telling them stories and that we engage in creating a bond. In book bug sessions, the mums face their babies and they sing to them and they say rhymes. They help them with a story. That's creating this bond that is often lost with this generation because they're on their phones the whole time. But there's also serious issues as well because particularly with the pandemic having cut social contact so much. Well, libraries and social work departments have been running groups. They get groups together prescribed by the doctor to join a group because they've disassociated in some way. They maybe just don't connect easily. A story can bring out issues that people wouldn't normally talk about, but it gives them a key to open up and they can talk in a safe space. They leave feeling as though they've unburdened themselves. People can have all sorts of issues. One of the groups I worked in, the man won't mind me saying, but he was having huge problems within his personal life. And coming to that group, everybody was talking about it in a supportive way. And he eventually got back into a job and came back and told the group, I won't be coming back because I've got a job. I feel that I can step back into everyday life again. So did that start off with you, for example, telling a story? and then encouraging the group to discuss that, or were you encouraging them to tell their own stories? They don't always tell their own stories. They prefer to see it through another story and find that way so it's not personal to them and they're not having to lay themselves bare. They can identify with a story. In fact, that particular person said, I can identify with this story you've told. That was just the, the key that he needed. We had another person who just couldn't find his tribe as he put it, we were very encouraging with him and said, your tribe's there, you just have to find it. We're your tribe now as well. And he said, oh yes, so you are. And he spoke more and more in the group. And that's the side of storytelling that is really beneficial to well-being. The storytelling tradition dates back far into prehistory. People sat around the fire at night, listening to the songs and stories that gave meaning to their lives. Rose Took has been a storyteller almost all of her life. She learnt her craft through a group which based their training on techniques which we believe ancient druids might have used. It's nice to be sitting in a library while we're talking about this because in the days before books, my speciality is the Celts. The Celtic scholarly class were the druids. A lot of people, when they're writing a book about the druids, they'll say, who were the druids? But when you actually go to a druid group and learn storytelling, The first question they ask you is, what is a druid for? It's somebody who is your library. First year training as a storyteller, as a druid storyteller, is spent expanding your memory. So there's no stories involved whatsoever. You spend a year learning to expand your memory. I'm just trying to imagine, how do you expand your memory? In your first section of being taught traditionally, you have a mentor and the mentor decides what's the best one for you. So he's teaching you to expand the actual physical skills. At 14, when, which is the earliest you're allowed to start, I started learning and I started expanding my memory. And I was a very slightly below average student and I went immediately into the top 2% in Scotland. But it wasn't because I was any brainier. It was because I could recite back every word the teacher said. I could sit down at an exam and say, what did the teacher say about that? And I could write it down. And I started getting amazing grades and I got put in the top class. And the next stage is to expand your your voice. He stood me on a hill and he told me to shout at the hill opposite until I got an echo. 
and then he goes off and leaves you. <laughs> and then when you can get an echo back, he says, right, move 500 yards back. And he goes off and leaves you again. <laughs> and you're shouting at the hill again until you get another echo back. So summer holidays were spent doing strange activities like this. And eventually I was at the top of the hill and could shout and get an answer back. Storytelling, however, isn't just about how well you remember a tale. It's as much about how you tell it. In fact, Andignan insists that the soul of the story can be lost if simply told by rote. I don't think any story can be learned at all. You can learn the bare bones, the bare facts, but if you're learning a story, you might as well just pick up a book and read it. If anybody tries to learn a story verbatim, the enthusiasm, the warmth, the kind of eye contact, just giving off your heart is just lost because if you want to learn a story by heart, just get a rowboat to do it. I remember the stand-up comedian Paul Merton saying that you can't learn the kind of routines because if you do that, you lose the spontaneity. Because it's not just seeing. You can feel if you've got the audience with you, there's just this kind of palpable energy that you feel if you've got them in the palm of your hand or if you haven't, you can tell if they're fidgety, etc., etc. You've kind of lost them a little bit, so you've got to keep them drawn in and use that by your voice, your hand, your eye contact or the tone of your voice, varying the tone of your voice as well. Rose Took applied her skill as a tour guide. Although she grew up in the borders, she's discovered a real joy in the traditional stories from the Gaelic culture. I love traditional stories, especially about heroes like Finn McCool that the school children don't really know about now. Because I drive a bus at the same time as I wear the microphone, I like a really old style of telling. One of the classes of story is a word-for-word story, and that's because the Druid had to be able to do things like recite a clan history back 50 generations so that there was no intermarriage of the wrong people. And then there's another group of stories that have what we call rhythm, pause and pace, And I found myself, as I drove the bus, I found that my rhythm, pause and pace was actually taking into account the turns and the bends in the road and was becoming almost hypnotic. And those are the stories I like because the spell that comes over people when you're using the right rhythm, pause and pace is just magical. You're making it sound musical. It is. It's very lyrical, definitely very lyrical, because the ancient storytellers always had to have a musical craft as well. They were the bards, the druids, they were the scholarly class for doctoring and lawyering and everything. But if you became a bard, it basically takes you 20 years before you can call yourself a storyteller. So I started at 14 and I've done my 20 years now. They had two styles. They were called the the sacred bards and the non-sacred bards and The sacred bards were taught things like a secret sign language. Because they travelled place to place, they were taking political messages place to place, and you could pass it along in a story. I might want to pass along a message to Elaine, who's sitting at the far side of the room from me, but she's sitting next to the king, and she's busy, and there's no way I can get the story to her. So I would use the sign language, and the sign language, I would say, there were five birch trees down by the river, and I'd make the sign language for five birch trees, and birch trees represent a new beginning in the Celtic runic language. And she'd say, oh, there's something new has happened. And I'd say, beside the five birch trees, there were five alder trees opposite, and alders represent the shield of a warrior. And so she'd know that there were five 
warriors on the opposite side of the river and a new beginning might mean they about to cross the river into the wrong territory. And so then Elaine would turn to the king and she'd say, I've had a vision. And the king would go and investigate and he'd say, you're amazing, you're magical. She mentioned birch trees there, which brings us back to that tale of the two trees which Anne was telling. You may recall that one of them was jealous of the beauty of the other, the silver birch, which had been planted alongside it all those years before. The stumpy tree, who was a willow tree, did not like this beautiful lady next to it, and there would be arguments. So you think you're beautiful, don't you? Well, the woodcutter's going to come along, chop you up into little bits, but they'll not touch me because they've got no use for me. And, of course, the birch would answer along the lines of, I can't help how I look. And so the argy-bargain would go on, and the other trees got very, very fed up with all this carry-on. So they complained to the king of the trees. The oak tree said, I will think about it. I will think what we can do. And so, next thing, the great north wind circled round the oak tree's crown. And the oak tree asked the great north wind what he should do. And the great north wind said, I will think about it. I will think about it. And after a few days, the great north wind came back and said to the oak tree, I will huff and I will puff and I will huff and I will puff. And one of the trees will fall down and there'll be no more arguments. That's exactly what she did. After the wind came and huffed and puffed, the poor tall birch tree fell over. The stumpy willow tree <gasps> sighed with relief. Oh, thank goodness I've got rid of that annoying silver birch who's so full of himself. But then, after a couple of days, the willow tree had nobody to speak to because none of the trees would speak to the willow tree because the trees all knew that willow had been nasty and aggressive and unloving and definitely very unkind. And so the willow tree grew sadder and sadder and started to hunch in on itself and its branches started to droop over and down and down and down and his pointy slender fingers were almost touching the ground. The woodcutter would come through the forest and the forest master and he would catch this tree crying because there'd be little dewdrops at the end of its long fingers. And to this day, if you see a tree that is drooped over with its fingers pointing to the ground, preferably if it's living near water, then it's probably the weeping willow. A rather sad ending to that tale from Anne Dignan, which kind of reminds us of the fragile world in which we live. The Storytelling Group meets monthly in Portobello Library. You can find out more information by contacting the library. Details of how are in the description to this episode. That's it for this week. We'll be back with more tales about the good folk of our community. And if you have news of an event or something of interest, then get in touch through Facebook or Twitter or by email to the at gmail.com. Bye for now.